From University of Puget Sound, it's What We Do, a weekly podcast about the innovators, teachers, dreamers, and performers of Puget Sound and the stories behind the work they do. Hello and welcome once more to What We Do. I'm your host, Chuck Luce, editor of Arches, Puget Sound's award-winning alumni magazine. Today we have with us our friend Dan Burgard, an associate professor of chemistry at the college. Professor Burgard's research interests include analyses of air and water. In recent years, in Arches Magazine, we have followed him and his students while they test emissions from cargo and cruise ships and from diesel trucks. Lately, he's been monitoring wastewater for traces of pharmaceutical and street drugs, trying to get a sense of the volume of these chemicals, which eventually make their way into the ocean. Most recently, he received a grant from the National Institute on Drug Abuse and the National Institutes of Health to try to answer questions about how legalizing marijuana will affect people's use of the drug. Greetings, Professor. Thanks for taking a break at this busy time of year to talk to us. Of course. So uh, the use of cannabis for recreational use has been legal in Washington State since 2012, and you and your students are trying to find out things like whether marijuana use is on the increase or are people just switching their supply from the black market to legal suppliers? Can you describe the process for testing wastewater to answer questions like this? Sure. Um, so ways to look at illicit drug use or to get an estimate on that have typically involved asking people if they use drugs illegally, and that's often uh, problematic. You get bias with that. Uh, so one way to try to eliminate that bias is to go looking in wastewater. And uh, the idea there is that uh, it's hard for the sewers to lie, um, that everything that comes out of you eventually ends up at the wastewater treatment plant. So uh, the thought being that if you wanted to get a sense of how legalized marijuana has changed its consumption, uh, instead of asking people, do they use more cannabis or, or, or not, um, we would just go looking and, and skip the middleman, skip asking the, the people. Um, and so uh, we had tried this on, on our own campus, looking uh, at uh, some some uh, drugs in, in the wastewater here and then uh, have sort of moved on and, and are now looking at larger city-scale uh, projects. So when you say you're looking at wastewater, how do we approach this? I mean, do we open a manhole cover and just take a dip? Uh, <laughs> uh, you can do it many ways. Uh, you can walk up to a to a to a wastewater treatment plant and scoop out a, a bucket and bring it back and measure it and say, "Hey, that one day, that one time that I took a measurement, I know now exactly how the city behaves." Or you can be a little bit more sophisticated and start to collect a sample uh, uh, intermittently throughout the day and trying to trying to get that sample is complicated. But uh, indeed, you can take it from a wastewater treatment plant that has a, a city of of 5,000, 50,000, 500,000, 5 million all entering into, the, into, that, uh, into that catchment area. Um, and from there, uh, we uh, take a, just actually a, a very small couple of uh, 100 milliliters of that and run it through a, a, a fancy extraction process to, to pull out specific drugs uh, away from, from other things. And, and I, I can tell you there are many things in wastewater. Um, and that it's, uh, as far as things that I've measured, it's one of the most complicated systems that I've ever tried to pull specific compounds out of. Can you describe the, the machinery for doing this? How, do, how does it work? Sure. Um, so what my students and I have been using uh, is uh, uh, 
the, the, the instrumentation is a mass spectrometer, and you have to have that. Uh, and we've been uh, using one at the University of Washington in Tacoma. They've been very gracious in letting us use that at the Center for Urban Waters. But recently, a colleague of mine uh, and I, Megan Gessel, uh, applied to the uh, uh, National Science Foundation and got one of these instruments on our own campus. So now University of Puget Sound has a $350,000 um, uh, quadrupole time-of-flight mass spectrometer, which uh, is is really pretty fantastic to have on our campus. Um, so that instrument uh, allows us to inject a sample, uh, and certain compounds uh, will uh, uh, move through that, that instrument in a certain amount of time. Uh, from that, it will have those compounds will have a certain mass, and that certain mass can be then uh, basically shattered into some other very telltale masses. And it's these uh, four or five fingerprints that are needed to be able to look at, at something that is in part per trillion level, very, very small amounts in one of the most complicated systems I can, I can think of. And so this is, uh, this is, this is, it's a really great uh, thing that we have this on campus. Um, and it's great that our students are at the uh, ability to have hands-on uh, experience with that. That is a pretty amazing machine. Uh, Chuck, I, I have to stop you there. I, we can't call it a machine. Not, not, well, I can't. Uh, if any of my students, uh, who are in instrumental analysis are listening to this, they would know that the first thing on day one is we talk about how uh, machines move dirt and uh, instruments are uh, highly sophisticated and uh, uh, scientific uh, tools. So uh, the instrument that we have uh, is able to do this. Okay, I stand corrected and will not make that mistake again. Mm -hmm. So we have this amazing ability to analyze trace amounts of, of, of all kinds of chemicals. What, what kinds of chemicals specifically are you finding? Sure. Um, so we are most interested in looking at uh, not actually THC, but the metabolite of THC. So your body, actually, it's sort of interesting. Uh, on the plant, uh, you have something called THCA or THC acid, and that uh, doesn't actually get you high. That has to be converted into THC, and that either happens uh, mostly through heat, so either um, through smoking it, or if you are making a brownie or something, and you, so I've heard, uh, if you put it into butter and heat it up, that will also turn the THCA into THC. But but um, not just me metabolism. Body metabolism is not enough. Well, no, no. So the THCA doesn't doesn't give you the high. Uh, once you have taken it in as THC, your body then to excrete it turns it into a couple of things. Uh, with the final product being carboxy THC, and that's actually what we go looking for in the wastewater, and that's what uh, would be in urine and would be looked at uh, in a drug test. Um, so uh, specifically, we're not looking at THC. So if for some reason somebody, and this not in our state anymore because it's not illegal, but if somebody had a stash and they were, you know, the cops were at the door, you could flush it down the toilet, uh, and if it had that THC wouldn't uh, register for us. You'd have to have a consumed amount of THC. So we uh, often in looking in drugs, we look for the metabolites if we can. So. Um, that's true for if we go looking at cocaine, um, it has a metabolite that is very specific that uh, we only find that if it's been consumed. Uh, same with, uh, so THC, heroin has a couple of things that it turns uh, into. Uh, things like amphetamine actually stay the, the parent compound and, and aren't metabolized. But um, So depending on what we go, what drug we're interested in uh, determines what, uh, what the actual compound is we, we look for in the wastewater. When these compounds enter the wastewater uh, and then go where water goes, is, is, is there a, a, 
a problem down the pipe, so to speak? Um, well, I guess the reason people have started doing what I do now, uh, or the people who, have, who are doing this, are environmental chemists. And, and for the most part, environmental chemists don't really ask these questions about uh, drug epidemiology. They're more interested in what comes out of the sewage treatment plant and what goes into the environment. You know, uh, one of the hot things is the different uh, estrogen compounds um, and how that affects the fish or the, the, the aquatic life um, after the treatment plant. Uh, and so most of us are trained in that sort of, uh, of looking for those kind of compounds. But um, uh, around 2005, somebody said, well, you know, we could just look at what comes out, but let's think about what comes in. And so um, the, the folks who are looking at this have a background in environmental uh, interests, but uh, really have sort of now moved to this new field of, of kind of looking 180 degrees up from the sewage treatment plant and, and asking the question about what the city is sending to the treatment plant. So um, you really have, it's sort of two questions. What, what comes in and is that interesting? And for drug epidemiologists, that's interesting. Uh, on the environmental side, it's sort of interesting what comes out. And uh, um, so it's sort of how, how you attack the, pro the problem. And, and what groups are interested in what goes in? Um, so right now, Europeans uh, are the ones who are, who are really sort of leading the field in this uh, what we call wastewater-based uh, epidemiology. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why that is. The the sort of the um, NIDA, the, the 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 NIH group that gave me money um, to to do this project, uh, their counterpart in Europe uh, has sort of adopted this idea of of wastewater-based uh, epidemiology. Um, as a, as a viable uh, option, a, a, a viable, um, uh, not necessarily competition, but, but really helps to, to give you a bigger picture of, of, of uh, drug use. Um, anyway, so Europeans, uh, Italy, Spain, um, the Netherlands, uh, France, Germany, uh, I guess I could just name off all the countries in Europe, but uh, most, most of those countries have uh, a group or two that are working on this. Um, there are a couple of groups in Australia, uh, there is a, uh, some folks in Canada. Uh, more and more now we're starting to see in Asia, but uh, some of that is, is work with folks in, in Europe. And then there are just a few of us, in, a handful in the U.S., uh, uh, basically a few of us on the, on the West Coast and a couple of folks on the East Coast uh, who are, who are, who are look, using this technique to get a sense of drug use. And the motivation be, behind this curiosity is? Oh, uh, well, because it's an imperfect science to figure out um, how drugs are used and uh, and and where and and how much, um, you know, it's not really my field. I work a lot with uh, Caleb Banta Green at the University of Washington in Seattle. Uh, he's sort of my drug epidemiologist friend. Uh, but but as far as looking for uh, the the way that we can. When, when the government sort of gives estimates of how much drug use there is, it comes from uh, seizures of, of, of confiscated drugs. It comes from um, uh, hospital admittances. It comes from uh, police records. It comes from overdoses. And a lot of those are, uh, are only hitting a small part of the population or a very specific part or not getting all, uh, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it, you only get a small picture. Um, and then you try to apply that across uh, but the, the entire population, whereas the the epidemiology or the, the wastewater epidemiology uh, allows us to look at the whole population, and from that we can't tell you oh it's this group or that group, but at least we can give you sort of that that bigger an bigger idea picture. of the volume consumed, and uh, you're able to even tell. For example, you said that sometimes you 
take samples at different times of the day. So uh, right, right. So you can, uh, you can. So some things you you can see very easily with wastewater data is um, something like um, uh, ecstasy, uh, MDMA is the compound. Uh, you can see very high levels of it on uh, Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings because it's used on Friday night and Saturday night. Um, things like um, methamphetamine, you can see a much more consistent use across all seven days of the week. Um, and so uh, very easily you can see these sort of daily trends in different types of drugs. Um, and then as far as uh, seasonal differences, I mean, there, there are all sorts of sort of uh, little one-off studies out there. There are um, studies that were done in Australia looking at different vacation areas and, and looking to see how the, the different drugs in different seasons and who uses what illicitly uh, uh, in those places. Um, but, uh, I mean, there's a study in, in Greece that showed in the last couple of years uh, during the austerity time that the use of antidepressants went up. Um, so, yeah, the, the wastewater can, can tell you a lot about the population. As, as far as, as the state of Washington goes or other states where cannabis is, is now legal, the kinds of things that you're, the kinds of questions you're trying to answer now have more to do with is there an increased volume? Uh, it has has recreational use changed in some way? Can you describe some of the questions you're trying to answer there? So some of the questions we were going to try to ask were, did we see a difference in the weekend versus uh, weekday use? Uh, when you legalize it recreationally, does everyone use it more on the weekends or do they just the whole use just go up all seven days of the week? Uh, we're finding that most likely we're not going to be able to talk about that because of the way that it stays in your body and it's not easy to see like uh, ecstasy, like I talked about earlier, where you see the spikes on weekends. Um, the, the thing that is really interesting, I think, is can we get a sense of market share? This Going back to the idea of, of is it replacing the illegal market? Um, and so that's the sort of thing that by collecting wastewater for the eight months before the store is opened, uh, we are able to get, get this sort of baseline level uh, where it, the amounts in the sewer only came from medical stores and from illicit uh, sources. And then once the store is opened, uh, we could then see if it increased in the wastewater. And um, if it increases, does it increase at the same rate that it's being sold? And the state has done an incredible job of tracking the, uh, the amount of cannabis sold, not just in dollars, but because they know exactly uh, when it was sold, how much, as far as how much it weighs was sold, and because they know what the potency is, uh, we can actually get the exact amount, number of grams of THC that are being consumed in a certain area. So we should be able to know how much is being consumed recreationally and subtract that out from what we find in the, in the entire amount of wastewater and then say, okay, the difference then would be the illicit amount. And does, does the, the, the sort of the difference there between total wastewater and what is being sold, is that shrinking and are we seeing a change in, in, in marketplace? Uh, and then just this summer, uh, 2016, um, the state has finally now taken over the, the medical side and so we will also be able to track exactly how much is sold for medical reasons. So that's one of the, that's a really long answer to your question, but one of the big questions is if you legalize it, how does that change market share of, of, the, of the three uh, illicit medical and, and recreational? And will it replace the, the illicit side? And is it too early to, to begin to draw some conclusions there? Uh, it is too or early. Can we not say? It is too early for me to report what our conclusions are so far. Okay. Um, so, uh, in, in answer to your question, uh, we are doing a three year study uh, uh, funded by the NIH, and um, 
uh, we are collecting through the end of this year, so December 31st, 2016. And we started collecting December 1 of 2013. Stores opened uh, in the summer of 2014. Uh, and so we really want to um, sort of step back, look at the entire picture, really bring in the sales data and the, the mass of THC sold and, and start doing that um, sort of mass balance uh, before we start releasing this data. And mostly because uh, we don't want to drag our feet, but we want to be as right as we can because it is such a, it's such a sexy topic right now. The media will 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 be very interested in in using this data to talk about whatever angle they want to talk about. So we just we want to make sure it's it's as good as we can get it before we before we say something about it. In in the state and, and federally, um, what agencies are 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 you partnering with any, or, or are they just really interested in the res results that you'll come up with? Uh, the state of Washington, we, uh, let's see, we are not partnering with any. Um, we have the blessing, basically, of the Department of Health. Uh, we've, they've said, yes, this would be very interesting data if you have this. Um, we are working with the liquor, it used to be the LCB, the Liquor uh, Control Board. It's now the Liquor and Cannabis Board, um, and they're the ones in charge of regulating cannabis. Uh, they are um, it's, it's public knowledge, but they are working with us to, to get us the sales data. Um, and then uh, there's a there's a nonprofit agency that was tasked with uh, over the next uh, five years, I believe, sort of putting out reports saying this is this is what has happened since we've legalized. And they are uh, have, have cited our study and are anxious to hear our data uh, every two years when they have to put out a report. So um, people know that we're doing it, and they are. They are anxiously waiting, from what I can tell. And you, students are assisting you with this this work? Yes. Uh, so specifically on this project, uh, I've had um, six students working on it. And before that, I had um, sort of four students who were um, punished by learning how to do this with me. So uh, I went from looking at uh, uh, emissions in air uh, to looking at emissions in water. And it may sound like sort of the same thing, but one, we were shining light through air, which is... Uh, a very different thing than trying to find very small levels of, of drugs in, in water. So uh, it was a learning curve for me for sure, uh, and, and it was, I think, a, a fun, uh, hard but fun challenge for the students that sort of we got up to speed with. And then recently, the uh, I've had two students each of the last three years that have been working on this to just sort of crank out the, the data with me um, and, and get through the samples. And, and they're, they're doing this through grants from the college for summer research study, not not through a course? Uh, correct. So, uh, well, it's both, actually. So I, I will take uh, two students. Um, I've, I've been taking two students each summer uh, through the uh, science and math um, uh, summer um, uh, research award where they uh, have a, get a stipend and, and a little bit of uh, uh, research uh, uh, money. Um, and so that is during the summer, and then during the school year, they then continue this into a senior thesis, most of them. Um, so it, it counts as a class for them during the year, but uh, the, the generous uh, college uh, uh, internal grants for, for summer research uh, have, been, have been great to start it off, and now uh, part of my grant is to pay for students to, to do uh, the summer work too. And, and for them going forward beyond undergraduate years, um, what can they hope to glean from this, or what are the applications? Uh, one of my students um, uh, has gone on and is actually working at Nike right now, which is uh, sort of an, uh, an interesting uh, change. But uh, she went to a graduate program at, at University of Oregon, um, uh, 
Heather Freely, and she got a very nice internship placement right after this program. And, and she, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, I think she said it was because uh, she had these a lot of hands-on uh, instrument use, and that was very interesting to the to the to the different uh, companies that were hiring. So, um, yeah, having our students have direct contact with the instruments that they would use in, in industry and, and beyond is, is invaluable, for mm -hmm. sure. Great. What are other applications of this work? I have been approached by other cities that have said, you know, look, we, we know we have a, say, heroin uh, uh, issue. Uh, we know that there are uh, overdoses here and here. Uh, is that where the use is or is this so so some ideas of sort of like hey where should we send where should we have our treatment centers or where should we have our you know most um, public outreach and and could you sort of subdivide up the city and say okay are we are we using our resources in the right places um, in that regard uh, you know it seems it seems powerful uh, powerful technique so um, have you run into any ethical or privacy issues yeah as far as ethical um, concerns there is no DNA stamp that goes onto any molecule that comes out of your body as far as these small molecule illicit drugs. So there uh, is currently no way to trace that back to you. Um, if 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 I were to excrete some uh, carboxy THC and if Chuck were to excrete some carboxy THC, um, there is no way of saying where it came from or that he didn't, you know, it's just... It, we don't have that ability yet. Um, you may be able to, to to look in the wastewater and say, oh, there is some DNA in here and that we can say, you know, you could really work really hard and say these people were in it, um, it you know, excreted to this. And in fact, there, uh, I mean, one thing that cities are looking at is um, moving past illicit drugs and looking to see if you can get sort of a predictor of health of a city and, and even national security. I mean, if you could find, you know, an Ebola breakout uh, outbreak before people really started coming down with it because you could find you know those things in the wastewater before symptoms show you'll be have an up have a chance conceivably to tell whether or not there is a, 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 an epidemic about to happen yeah uh, I mean there's a group at MIT that's working on trying to figure out some things about uh, influenza and outbreaks of, of different drug or different uh, um, you know bigger population sort of uh, scale um, illnesses um, so uh, are you involved with this kind of research in any other places other than Tacoma? So right now I'm part of a study. There's uh, um, every year there's um, uh, 30 cities across the, the, the globe uh, report um, data on, uh, let's see, uh, cocaine, amphetamine, methamphetamine, um, uh, cannabis use, uh, and ecstasy. And so a lot of those cities are in Europe, uh, and it's funded by the European group, uh, EMDCCA. Uh, but uh, every year I get data from Seattle, uh, two weeks' worth of data, and we send that off as part of that. So it's, it's, it's kind of cool that, that there are big universities uh, all over the country, and the University of Puget Sound uh, contributes to that too. I think we're the only uh, small liberal arts college that's part of that, that global study. All right. Great to hear. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Appreciate it. It was, uh, it was fun. It was informative, interesting, and uh, we learned a lot. Okay. Well, maybe, uh, maybe once we can release some, uh, some data, we'll, we'll do it again. We'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> Sounds right. good. What We Do is brought to you by University of Puget Sound. Join us next Wednesday for another story about what we do at Puget Sound. And if you liked this podcast, rate us on iTunes. 